Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Holy God, right? Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. We're glad that you're with us. And how about all those kids up here? Wow, very exciting. I want to thank Justin and Leah, and uh, I was visiting with them Thursday as uh, they came in, and Justin told me a story. He said, one young boy at camp, he said, uh, I don't want to go home. I want to stay at camp. And Justin said, well, we got to go home. And he said, well, I want to have church every day, unlike a lot of us. But uh, anyway, he, 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 he responded that way, and Justin said, well, what did you learn this week? And he said, well, I learned how to pray, and I learned how to worship, and I learned the Word of God. And how many of you know that's a win-win-win situation? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Well, thanks for being here today. We're glad that you're with us, and uh, I believe God has a word for us today. What do you think? Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be in your presence today. Let your word accomplish what you send it forth to do. Prepare our hearts and our ears and our lives. We give you praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Today is June the 6th, and we remember those who gave their lives and those who stormed the beaches at Normandy in 1944, the D-Day invasion. Uh, the Allied invasion of Europe was the largest amphibious invasion in history. 156,000 troops from the United States and Canada and England stormed those beaches, and there was uh, over 7,000 ships, uh, landing vessels, uh, over 2,000 aircraft, and 867 gliders. And we really don't know today what the price of... Uh, of uh, victory was paid on D-Day in the days after. Some estimate between five and 12,000 Allied soldiers died in those short days. About 2,500 Americans died, and we had a conflict going on. And the question is, why were we at war? Well, there's two ideologies going on. There's the Nazis, and then there's freedom. They had a different thinking pattern. They, they didn't value the sanctity of life as we value it. They, they didn't value the freedoms and the, the values that we stand for today. There was extreme intolerance. There was the exacerbating of the groups against races and ethnic groups. About two-thirds of all the Jewish Europeans died in the Holocaust in those years. It was National Socialism as opposed to capitalism and free markets, and they began to produce propaganda to influence people on their side to think the way that they thought. How many of you know things start coming around again? And we in the church and we in America need to begin to think because you've heard it said, if we don't learn from history, we repeat it, Right? Genesis chapter 10, if you'd take your Bible and turn there, please. Uh, I want to talk to you about a beginning of something, and this is verses 8 through 10. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, 
Like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, Kalna, in the land of Shinar. Now the word Shinar means between the rivers. We're talking about the Tigris, Euphrates rivers. And there on the plains of Shinar, we have kingdom after kingdom after kingdom after kingdom rising up in that area that are world-changing kingdoms. But if you'll look there in verse 10, it is the first time the word kingdom is mentioned in your Bible. Not mentioned till then, and tradition says that Nimrod was the first king to ever wear a crown. We assume he is the instigator of the Tower of Babel. So why did they build that tower? Well, God had destroyed the earth with the flood, and mankind thought if God pulls something like that again, we'll be above the judgment of God. How many of you know nobody is above the judgment of God? And you can't escape God, and you can't get to the heavens by your own works or your own labor. And here Nimrod, the king, if you will, of this first kingdom we have after the flood, gives us a competing kingdom. Till this point, the only kingdom we know is the kingdom of God, right? God created the heavens the earth, and he has a kingdom, and now we see a competing kingdom. It's the first mention, and... So today, we are living in a time of competing kingdoms, and we have to understand that. First mention of kingdom in the New Testament is found in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist, he begins his ministry. In those days, the Baptist John came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So not only did John announce the kingdom, he announced the king of the kingdom, and that's Jesus. Aren't you glad Jesus is the king of the kingdom? Because, listen, where you live today, where I live, our world has competing kingdoms. The kingdom of God, the kingdoms of this world. And the kingdoms of this world are, they're fueled by... A dark side, and I don't care who's in control, the kingdoms of this world are competing with the kingdom of God. We have competing kingdoms. When I was in the ninth grade, uh, I'd played football when I was a kid, got in the ninth grade, junior high, and uh, our coach had come to our school. It was the first time he'd ever coached. We were the first team he ever coached, and we went undefeated. We'd never lost a game. So uh, if you do good in the ninth grade, you get to go be a sophomore and uh, so when we were sophomores we were on the uh, varsity or the the high school team and they didn't have a really great team for those years and they lost a lot of games and so one of the things I noticed is that we came from a team that was undefeated and it almost acted like those players even when they lost they didn't care if they lost I mean, they still laughed in the locker room, and they joked, and they played. And, and for me, and, and the way we grew up, uh, we, we hated to lose. If you're in the wrong kingdom, you're a loser. If you're in the wrong kingdom, you're going to lose. And, and I remember when I was a sophomore, we were playing a game, and the coach came to me, and you know, we weren't doing very good, and he grabbed me, and he said, do you think you can go in there and stop them? And I said, well, I don't know. I'll try. So I took my little sophomoric body, threw it into the fight and the fire, and of course, uh, from that moment on, I always started on defense and offense, and when we were juniors, we, we were undefeated again and went to the state playoffs. We were two games away from the state title, but uh, we got racked up pretty bad in the playoffs, and then 
when we were seniors, they moved us up a couple of levels in the, the standings as far as division, and we were playing cities and teams that were way bigger than us, and we, we had a winning season, but we, we didn't win our district. But let me tell you what I did. I developed a bad taste for losing. Now listen, if you're in the wrong kingdom, you're going to lose. I'm just going to tell you up front. If you're in the wrong kingdom, you're going to lose. But if you're in the kingdom of God, you are going to win. And how many of you know that you cannot just join this kingdom, you have to be birthed into it. And so to be birthed into the kingdom, then we are allowed to be a part of what God is doing and we become members of that kingdom. Nine times Jesus mentions the kingdom when he gives the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew, his gospel, records more about kingdom than anywhere. Fifty-five times Matthew refers to the kingdom. Now, let me tell you something. You may not have thought about this. Maybe it's not in your uh, uh, mindset this morning, but you are a part of a kingdom. And you're not waiting for that kingdom. You're a part of it today, but yet in some sense we're waiting for it. But we're participating in that kingdom right now, this very moment. And we have to realize on the other side there is a competing kingdom. And those kingdoms are diverse from one another. It is light and darkness, good and evil, right and wrong, temporal, eternal... And we have to understand the differences of the kingdom. There is hope. There is despair. And we have to think about these things. And you said, well, I don't think about these things. Well, I brought you here today to think about them. So let's think about it this morning. Let me, let me give you just three things today that we can think about. So what's our mindset in regard to these kingdoms? Number one, we must engage in the other kingdom without conforming to it. That's deep. We have to engage the other kingdom without conforming to that kingdom. Let me just give you some names, uh, like a Joseph and a Daniel, maybe a Moses. Guess what happened to these guys? Every one of them part of the kingdom of God, but yet they were radically exposed to another kingdom, but yet they weren't transformed by that kingdom. They were transforming people in the other kingdom. Because if you don't watch it, that other kingdom will try to transform you and I. And as these men begin their journeys, they're all teenagers. Every one of them. We, we know the exact age of Joseph, 17. We know Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, they're teenagers. And we know that Moses grew up in that culture of the Egyptians. But something supernatural happened in their lives. They did not conform to those kingdoms. We engage them, but we can't be conform to them. Matter of fact, this is what they're doing. They're living out Romans 12 before there was ever a Romans 12. Be not conformed to this world, right? Engage it. Change it. Bring people from the dark side. For all you Trekkies and you Star Wars people, bring them from the dark side. Bring them into the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God's dear Son, right? But we have to engage it without conforming to it. Now, one of the things that we realize today is that there is a lure from that competing kingdom. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor, a lure of that competing kingdom? But let me just kind of go through the list here because you'll understand. There is the, the lure of inclusion. Nobody wants to be left out. And if you don't think inclusion is important, go to junior high. Everybody wants to be like everybody else. We want the right dress. We want the right pants. We want the right shoes. Can I hear an amen? 
want the right hair, do we? We want to be included. We want to be part of what's happening now in this world, in this class, in this school. We don't want to be different. And let me tell you, the song of the siren of the other kingdom is conform, be like everybody else. That's why the Bible says, come out from among them, my people. Don't stay in that kingdom. Come to my kingdom. So there we have the lure of inclusion. We also have the lure of pleasure. Now, I don't know if you remember, but how many of you can remember there is pleasure in sin? Y'all are so holy. Goodness gracious. The Bible even says that, right? There is pleasure in sin, but it only lasts for a season. Now, I can remember, listen, (laughs) when I was B.C., before Christ, we went out and we had one hell of a good time, which would lead us to that same place if we continued in it. There's that lure of pleasure. I mean, there are are things that the world will give you and attract you too, like a moth to a flame. I mean, there's all kind of sexuality, and there's all kind of, of pleasures and, and, and good things out there that you think. And some of those things under the right, you know, dimensions and, and parameters are good. They're gifts from God. But the world doesn't see it that way. Just have the pleasure. So there's the lure of the pleasure. Then there's the lure of immediate gratification. It's kingdom now. Not, not looking for something in the eternal or the future. You know, we want it now. Listen, we live in a generation, we live in a time, and I'm caught up in it too. We want everything right now. Is anybody like that? I mean, listen, if they take too long through the drive through I'm upset. Faster than you could cook it. And, and then you go through the drive through and bless their hearts. I don't know what, what they hear on the other end, but... What I hear on my end sounds like Charlie Brown. Is that right? I don't know. What'd you say? Or they say things like this. Well, would you like this with that? Did I order that? I didn't order that. Well, would you like it? No, if I'd liked it, I'd ordered it. Y'all don't think like I do, do you? I mean, we want everything now. I mean, microwave it. Don't crock pot it. Microwave it. Zap it. I, I, you know, I, I want my stuff now. The lure of immediate gratification. And, and we live in a world that certainly that's true. You know, my wife is a nurse, and uh, you know, with HIPAA laws, I can't say a lot. She'll kill me. But, you know, when you have a surgery, you know, you're not supposed to eat until you know, after the surgery, because, uh, you know, if, uh, you, you know, you, you have an issue, and you, you may throw up in your mouth or something, and so they, they want your stomach, you know, clear, and uh, so that they'll tell you not to eat after midnight, and she said, I can't tell you how many surgeries we cancel, because we asked the question, now, you haven't had anything to eat after midnight, no, I haven't, the only thing I had was... I had some coffee and some eggs and toast, but I haven't really had anything after midnight. And then they're upset because they canceled their surgery because, listen, we live in a generation, we live in a time that we can't go 10 hours or 6 hours without gratifying ourselves. That's why you hardly see anybody fast anymore. Because we want it, and we want it now. Gratify me. 
Instead of tra- trading the, you know, the, the gratification for today, can we get a grasp of something that's eternal? Beyond the moment. Beyond the, the gratification of give it to me now. Here's another one, the lure of, the lure of pride. Goodness gracious. We love titles. We, we love Facebook, we love TikTok, we, we love to be in the limelight, we love to be in the spotlight. And nothing wrong with a lot of those, but let me tell you, a lot of it is fueled by what? By pride. Pride goes before destruction, a holy spirit before a fall. Listen, sin didn't begin on the earth. Sin began in heaven. There was a created spiritual being by the name of Lucifer that said, I want to be like God in a very wrong sense. And that's where sin happened in the heavens, and it came all the way down to the earth with Adam and Eve, right? Now, what was the fuel? Pride. What's one of the first deadly sins? God hates a proud look, right? So a lot of people, I mean, they're full of pride. Have you ever watched Entertainment Tonight? Have you ever watched an NBA game or a football game? People are eating up with pride, right? It's all about me. It's me. I mean, you know, look at me. Look, look, look at this. This is the enticement. It's the lure of pride. So this world that we're exposed to, this world that we have to engage but not conform to, has a lot of alluring things in it. Now, if if this is not real, you may be sitting there and say, well, you know, Pastor, I don't think this is a real deal. I don't think it's really that big of a pull. Then let me ask you this question. What in the world is Satan doing taking Jesus to a high mountain and saying, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world? Not only is he trying to tempt you and I with an alternative competing kingdom, he tried to even do that with Jesus. And if he's going to do it with Jesus, he'll do it with you. And he'll do it with me. Because this is the deal. He will try to get you to trade the eternal kingdom of God for an evil, temporal kingdom on this earth that will not ever last forever. So today, you have to make up that that, You have to make up your mind of that decision. So do I. So am I going to... Am I going to trade kingdom for kingdom? And I hope you don't. Number two, I have to resist the temptation of thinking the past was better and the future is hopeless. You say, whoa, 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 hold on here. What do you mean resist the temptation thinking the past is better and the future is hopeless? Because sometimes you get into areas, problems, you get into times of your life which is really hard and you think your best days are behind you, not in front of you. It could be with a tragedy, a divorce. It could be with a, a failure. Maybe you sin. You, you did something you shouldn't have done. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a doctor's uh, a diagnosis. And then all of a sudden your focus is, my best days are behind me. Let me tell you, in this kingdom, that is not true. In this kingdom, that is not true. Let me prove it to you. This is Psalm 137, verses 1 and 2. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down, yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps on the willows in the midst of it. You know what they're doing? They're headed to the Babylonian captivity, and on the way, they hung up their instruments of worship and praise and joy and said, our best days are behind us. And it wasn't true. It wasn't true. And if you don't watch it, you'll hang your harp on the tree and say, my best days are behind me, and it's not true. And the older you get, the more you're 
inclined to do that. Oh, I know. I want to tell you something. Your best years may be ahead of you. I don't care what your age is. You see, when Daniel gets to Babylon, I'm glad he didn't say the best years are behind us. Our, our country, our, our kingdom of Israel is, is yesterday's news. It's gone. How many of you know that wasn't true? I'm glad that Moses and the Hebrews didn't say, well, we're in Egyptian bondage. Our, our best days are gone. There's nothing in front of us. I'm glad they didn't say that. I'm glad Joseph didn't say, because I've been in the pit in Potiphar's house and prison, that my best days are behind me. Oh, no, Joseph, listen. You don't know it, but your best days are ahead of you. Let me tell you what's going to happen to you, Joseph and Moses and Daniel. You are going to engage another kingdom, and you're going to change that kingdom for the good. You're going to influence that kingdom. But here's the caveat. Please do not conform to the kingdom that you're going to and you're going through. Because this is what the kingdom will want to do to you, Daniel. The kingdom will change your name and change your dress and change your diet and change your God if you let them. And young people, listen. When you get in school and college... There'll be a professor that want to change your diet and your dress and your name and your God. And to say what you have believed is wrong. There is no God. There is no heaven. There is no hell. I want to tell you something. The kingdom that they belong to will never last. But the kingdom that you're in will last forever. Captivity is sad, but God's still in control. Sickness is horrible, God's still in control. Divorce, not good, God's still in control. You made a mistake, repent, take His grace, God's still in control. So don't get sucked in, don't get lured in to thinking my best days are behind me. You see what happens, and it happens sometimes as we get older. It happens sometimes when we get into trouble. It looks like our rearview mirror is larger than the windshield. Because we keep looking in the rearview mirror. There's a reason they made the rearview mirror smaller than the windshield. Because you need to do more looking through the windshield than you do the rearview mirror. Whether you're five or you're 105. Right? Now, I drive around some people who look more through the rearview mirror. You're thinking, what are you thinking? And sometimes I tell them what I'm thinking. You see, you can be like Daniel, you can be like Moses, you can be like Joseph and say, the best years are behind me. And, you know, we, we have to avoid that. Because God is taking you somewhere. God's taking our church somewhere. I don't know about you, but I felt like I've been in church this morning. I, I kind of had to quit singing a little bit because I'm over there belting it out, and I think, you know, I've got to get up and preach here in a minute. I'd like to have a voice because I've already been speaking for a couple of hours this morning before I even got to this service. But yet what happens? I mean, the Holy Spirit rises up in you, and you feel the joy of the Lord, and, and you want to engage in the goodness and the mercy of the kingdom of God, right? This is the kingdom that we're a part of, but there is a competing kingdom out there. 
and you walk in it every day and you engage it every day. But here's the caveat, don't conform to it. Because if you conform to it, you'll go down with the same kingdom you conform to. Now here's the third thing, understand that God's kingdom will have ultimate victory. The kingdom that you and I are in, like I said, you don't just join it, you're birthed into it, but this kingdom that we're in will have ultimate victory. I don't know if you remember, but this is in the first part of uh, the book of Daniel, about chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. You remember that? And he dreams about this big image. It's a huge image. And head of gold, it goes down to toes of iron and clay mixed together, and there's precious things in between, strong things in between. And so Nebuchadnezzar wants to know the interpretation of the dream. Here comes Daniel. You know, here's one king of a kingdom, and Daniel's in, <laughs> he's in contact with another king of the kingdom. And now Nebuchadnezzar wants to have that dream interpreted, and Daniel gives him the interpretation of the dream. And if you remember, that image represented the kingdoms of the world, Right? And think about all these kingdoms. Even in your Bible, there's the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. That brings us up biblical times. But it's not just then. I mean, there's always been these kingdoms that's risen up and fallen, risen and fallen, right? I mean, we, we talk about Napoleon. We can talk about uh, Adolf Hitler. There's always somebody who wants to rise up with the kingdom. And every one of them falls. But only one has lasted forever. And now Daniel's interpreting this image and he gives him the list of these kingdoms or describes these kingdoms, but all of a sudden, and this is the neat part, a stone appears in heaven and this stone leaves heaven and it crashes into the feet of the image and destroys the image. And this is the lovely part. It's a stone that's made not with man's hands. Let me tell you who that stone is. That stone is Jesus Christ. He is the rock. The very stone that destroys these kingdoms is the rock that we build our lives on. It's the rock that you build your family on. It's the rock that you build your house on. It's the rock that you build your faith on. You see, that stone destroyed all those kingdoms. And from that stone, there is the kingdom of God that we base our life on. And it's from that stone that we live our life. So what brings devastation to the kingdoms brings life and foundation to us. You know, the, the question is, why do all these kingdoms, why do they fall and why do they fail? And here's the answer, because they're inferior. They're inferior. They're not based on the right thing. They're not based on the right one. When you and I read the, the end of the book here and, and we get to the book of Revelation, the Bible says the kingdoms of this world has become the kingdoms of our Christ. And just like Nimrod, if he was the first king to ever wear a crown, let me tell you somebody who's going to wear the ultimate crown. Matter of fact, he's not just going to wear one crown. The Bible said he's going to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords with many crowns, crowns cast at his feet, and his kingdom will be eternal. That's why it's important for all of us, young people, middle-aged, older, you better be sure you're in the right kingdom today. This, this is not playing church. This is not religion. This is kingdom work. Now, we're waiting for the kingdom to come in some sense, but the kingdom's already here. It's right here in your heart. 
It's right in my heart. Jesus even told us to pray about the kingdom, didn't he? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has a kingdom. There is a king of that kingdom, and you and I should be in that kingdom. And it's easy as coming and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to be in your kingdom. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be the one that I answer to, I'm responsible to. And guess what? Man, he'll receive you with open arms. But if you decide you want to be in that other kingdom, it's going to fall. It's going to fail. And every one of those people in that other kingdom, including the kings of the kingdom, even those who purvey the kingdom, one day will bow their knee, for every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, and they will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, every arrogant, every prideful, Everything will be put under his feet. So that's why it's important for us to be in the right kingdom. We, we are seeing competing kingdoms. Now listen to me closely. Whether the Democrats are in control or the Republicans, whether it's a good economy or a bad economy, whether we think... China is going to rise up to be the next big kingdom, or Russia is going to be the next big kingdom. Listen, I, I can't control a lot of that, but I do know what kingdom I'm in. And whatever happens out here, it does concern me, but as long as I'm in the kingdom of Almighty God, I'm going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. And I look through the windshield. And I say, our best days are ahead of us because the king of the kingdom one day is going to come. He's going to gather us all up. He's going to take us away. But until then, I want to engage the competing kingdom without letting that kingdom transform me into its image because I want to be in his image, not that image. Amen? Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.